Good morning, and welcome to a chat in the garden with Monique A. J. Smith, where Secrets blooms in athletics and sports business, right here on Survival Radio Network. Well, 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 we are in our first week of June, and it is our month to celebrate six years, and we had a wonderful time um, last night and night before last with the red carpet. We had our VIP guests, our previous Deb Award winners, to come on and to uh, give us like an Oprah Where Are You Now session. So on Monday, we had uh, uh, Dee Dee Miles and uh, Cherie uh, Gordon, and uh, it was fabulous. Uh, and not just by what I'm saying, because I enjoyed it, but just the the dialogue, the engagement we got from the Facebook group. Um, and uh, so it's still up there. Uh, you can go on Chat in the Garden and, and watch uh, that Monday night's episode. And last night, and don't laugh, I, I didn't know we were already on Facebook. I was having technical difficulties. So, you know, just bypass uh, the dialogue between she and I as I'm trying to figure out how to get on Facebook. Uh, but it was great, too. And I did put up a couple of resources, some books that we talked about. In both cases, we talked about the state of America today, uh, first with COVID-19 and uh, all of us are in sports. And so uh, our world has changed and we were dealing with uh, coming back, plans to come back, as well as how to assist our student-athletes for navigating some things. And so uh, that was some great, uh, great dialogue. And more importantly, um, the state of America right now with the protests, and, uh, and to be quite honest, you know, my concentration has been uh, the mental health piece with our students. And so um, it, you you have to show you're vulnerable. So I guess I'm saying from the standpoint, uh, open by dialogue to say that you just is disturbed and allow them that space to share. Because it's much better to be out than be in, because if it blows when it's not in a control environment, that's where uh, the concern comes in. Um, And some dialogue uh, has been, uh, if you're in an environment that may not be sensitive to uh, your state of mind. And uh, we talked about some great resources last night, and I put uh, a couple of links within the group. One of them is... uh, Interesting enough, when Dr. Miles, who was the very first Deb Award winner uh, six years ago, she mentioned a book during her podcast that she continued to mention today. And I'm going to mention here to uh, um, this morning because I believe that uh, that's definitely what is needed if you're in an environment where it's on a blind in the middle of blinders and deaf ears, even if you sent out 
a statement. Um, she often talks about how to rock the boat without falling out the boat. And uh, that comes uh, from reading this book every year. It, and uh, I, I just, I tell you, uh, I believe in uh, education. I believe in educating others to influence them. Um, and so the couple of books that, that we mentioned, but the one I'm speaking of is called Temple, Tempered Radical. And we have that inside uh, the Facebook group, Tempered, Tempered Radical, How Everyday Leaders Inspire Change at Work. Um, and uh, the link that I have, it has the book for $4. So you might want to jump on that for real, for real, because this, uh, you, need, you, you probably need some guidelines of how uh, to express your concerns, and how to navigate that. And I think uh, if you've been reading it all along, you you, got, you probably got some good tools. But um, I've had the book, again, for like six years because she mentioned it back then. But uh, I, I I think, too, get the book, listen to uh, last night's replay on Facebook Live, and uh, to come up with a game plan for yourself. Uh, I'm a control freak, so I feel like I have to do something. But it's more, it's better to do something planned than to do something on top of the head. And uh, I just thought it was uh, such a time as this. It was great. Another resource we mentioned, which I have not gotten and I need to um, put on my list to purchase, is White Like Me by Tim Wise, White Like Me, Reflections on Race from a Privileged Son. And uh, Dr. Miles mentioned how this book she gave to her supervisor, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, to stimulate conversation. Um, Let's say productive conversation to understand why you need to have the conversation. And years ago, we're talking about race right now, but years ago I I shared with you I did my thesis on homophobia. And it was the thought, you know, don't ask, don't tell. And that's that's not helpful uh, because those individuals feel marginalized and not part of the team. And then the people who have been isolating us, their first introduction to it, they don't even know how to respond, and then respond by people who are older or what myths are, and you cause more of a problem. So when you're dealing with race and gender issues, the best way to address it is to talk and to let folks give out their perceptions, even if they're racist, to so that you can depact it to say this is, Incorrect because of blank, and uh, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. And, and when I do it in my class, my race and gender class, it really is dealing with uh, more so masculinity and the anger piece that comes about of, of being misunderstood. So 
if you take that thought process, anyone who's misunderstood is going to have a reaction that's probably not going to be favorable to the group. So if you take it from that perspective, in addition to, this is what I always say that seems to get their attention. Um, If capitalism, if the industry as a whole embraces diversity, if you got money, you're better suited to be able to withstand any type of drop in the economy if you diversify your funds. If you diversify your leadership, you're more than likely to win out among the competition because diversity of thought is the new green. Okay? And so in order to get the best out of your group, you, you need to embrace all of the individuals that are in your organization. So, you know, pick pick a strategy. This, that's all I'm trying to say is pick a strategy. For people who need to feel they have control and have to do something, plan a strategy, plan of action, of how you're going to educate, how you're going to influence decision makers. Uh, and then lastly is a, is a pretty lengthy book uh, that I use, but it also refers back to what I kind of said, in addition, in a higher ed situation, but also talks about the um, the incidents that are happening in society and how it impacts, and it kind of goes through all of that. So it kind of, it, it 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 weaves it through. Unfortunately, what we're dealing with today, and this book was written, I think, about uh, ten years ago, and it was uh, uh, written by a college president, Beverly Tatum. Tatum who was a president at Spelman, and it was a bestseller then. It continues to be a bestseller, and she kind of updated it. And, yeah, I'm pretty sure she's going to have to do another update. But the name of that book is Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria and Other Conversations About Race? Again, while all the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria and other conversations about race. And uh, I believe that would be a really a, a great book to work with your students, to have them read uh, chapters and bring their perspective to the table. Um, again, I'm an avid reader. I, I, I'm like, I believe, I always say that reads are seeds and uh, leaders are readers, but for some reason, um, I also think it's for prescription um, because there's something to be said when a person reads something for themselves. They embrace that knowledge as their own knowledge versus hearing it from another individual, and then you can have great dialogue. So um glad that we were able to address today's uh, societal issues in a educational manner, um, because again, the chat in the garden we're all about growing, and uh, and we have to do that in order uh, to not be, remain stuck. So uh, another resource that is not necessarily dealing with this perspective, but I do believe that we still need to look forward because tomorrow will come. The sun will come up tomorrow over this issue. And when it does, we still have to be able to service our student-athletes. 
and one of those great resources called Surviving the Lights, a professional athlete's playbook to avoid the curse by Tawana Smith. Um, um, there, there are a couple of issues in athletics that's going on uh, beyond the COVID-19, beyond um, the state of society as it relates to racism. Uh, we we have something on the books that's about to blow up, which is uh, our student athletes being able to receive dollars for their likeness. Um, and more than ever, we need to have some type of understanding of what that means. So for you as an individual in your department, uh, I want to help to elevate you because when you can go bring out bring other resources to the table, you be show that you are a valuable uh, asset to the organization. So you want to show your value, and uh, you know this is the time to to read up and and know what is out there. Now this is another case of a book being used to uh, uh, share peer experiences. So, again, it's a book that would be great to share with your student-athletes. And they say, read this chapter and come back to me. Um, I believe in it. That's why I'm always talking about it. It's in three different formats, so Amazon, audiobook, ebook, and paperback. Get yours today. Um, Dr. Chico Caldwell's webinars continue tomorrow at 11 o'clock. Continue to speak about... Um, building a success culture uh, in athletics, but from uh, the standpoint of accountability. We had a great conversation last week um, about individuals who may not be on the same page uh, with you uh, that's on your team. Now we're talking about whole teams uh, tomorrow, 11 o'clock, and to register, you must register, you go to successcultureconsultingcoach.com, successcultureconsultantcoach.com. You don't want to miss it. Uh, and so guess what? I believe we only have six spots available. If you're trying to come to the party on next Monday, June 8th at uh, 7 o'clock, uh, you, you need to go ahead and, and register uh, because we only can take 100 people, so we only got six spots left. And uh, we're going to have prizes uh, for Royal Court from us. No, Royal Court for us. Uh, we're going to have entertainment by our own members. Um, and, oh, we got a live DJ, so you know it's going to be some dancing. And I just forewarn you, do not think this is a party. One of the Zoom um, sessions that you think you can sit at your desk and look at computer. No, our MC, Dr. Christine Kelly, will have you up and moving, okay? This is a party. We're celebrating six years of being on a chat in the garden, and we're celebrating our next Deb Award winner. And in case you're wondering who and what is a Deb, okay? So Deb is named after Deborah in the Bible. She was a prophetess who uh, held court under uh, a tree. People came from miles around to get advice from her. And so since it's a chat in a garden, and to me a tree is in the garden, um, that people who listen to the uh, who listen to our podcast call for advice about careers in athletic administration and about life in general as well. 
And so the person who received the most uh, download or live listening um, receives the Deb Award. And it still holds true because we just celebrated all the previous winners doing our red carpet Facebook Live, and they still have got great, great messages to share and advice for others. And uh, this is not something that, this is not, let's just be clear, this is not like a popularity contest. This is really who got uh, the most uh, listeners, and people really want to know uh, about your journey and how do you navigate certain things. And so if you have not registered, go to Monique A.J. Smith S. Zoomroom.com. That's Monique A.J. Smith S. Zoomroom.com. If I was going to say it, it's Monique, Monique A.J. Smith's Zoomroom.com. But you can't put apostrophe, so you just got to go straight across. Only got six spots, so you want to make sure you're in the place. I'm not sure if it uh, populates a waiting list if I hit 100. So, uh, to make sure that you're not on a waiting list or just lock that all together, you need to register. Need to register. Um, and then I just a just a, a short short commercial for myself. Uh, I'm almost hitting 200 sold books of my my journey of being an athletic administrator uh, at 22 years old. Started out in sports information. Uh, went to uh, uh, I, I went to a small school in HBCU, which lent itself to give me a lot of experiences, which included being athletic director at 28 years old. And then I left to go Division One to work in compliance. And then I was called to uh, a conference office to be the PR director. And within 13 years, I've received promotions to be uh, director of championship, director of governance, and then chief of staff. And... Uh, so I cover all of that in my chapter called Public Figure Mass Exit Stage Left. And uh, so for those who would like to be to know about the, you know, how to climb up to those positions at such a young age in the early 90s, you'd be interested in getting the book. But more importantly, I talk about the mental health piece. I, I, I'm really clear on the fact that when you become a first you automatically become a public figure. But just because that you automatically become something does not mean that your brain goes on automatic. You must really stay aware of the choices you make. And um, just, just be clear, just don't live in the hype. Uh, because the hype is just like a cloud, and the cloud has no substance. It's like cotton candy. You bite down on cotton candy, and you think you're going to have something to hold on to. As soon as you close your mouth, that stuff dissolves. And then you're going to go like, oh, this is all it is. So I, I like, again, I love what I do. I want to make sure everybody enjoys the journey. And even that journey includes some rough spots, but you can learn something about yourself when it happens. It's all about perspective. So if that's something that you think you'd be interested in, you can get your signed copy at publicfiguremass.com. 
Again, publicfiguremass.com has my athletic journey and then my message for each one of you. So the time has come, the time has come to bring on our guest for today, and I am so excited, I mean truly, because this young lady is, is, as uh, her former employee will always say, she is a rock star, a rock star, and um, I think her journey would be very interesting for many of you uh, who have a desire uh, to navigate uh, the athletic administrative world. I like to bring to the garden Corey Pickett from Baylor University. Hello, Monique. It's so good to be with you today. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm, I'm so thrilled. I'm so glad you're thrilled. Uh, and did you hear your cheers? I did. I was like, oh my goodness, do I hear claps? That is so kind. <laughs> we celebrate <laughs> the garden deal. We celebrate. That was awesome. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm excited about hearing your journey, but I'm gonna be very honest with you. Uh, we have got lots of lots of questions, and so I guess you can tell that I have a uh, long windedness about me. So I don't want to uh, cut anybody's question. So I want to go to commercial first, okay. and then bring you on, so then we can keep flowing. Okay. Absolutely. So we to take a really short break here in Chat in the Garden with Monique A.J. Smith. And when we return, we talk to Corey Pickett. This is Michelle McKinney, the owner of Third Degree Solutions. I would like to introduce you to our program, Excel After Sports, where we are a career services for the athletes. Our goal is to create well-rounded athletes and to aid them to be successful on and off the field. Our mission is to prepare them for the evolution of their next. We accomplish this by creating a series of professional development workshops tailored to the athletes. We know that an athlete's time is limited, so we'll work with you and your teams to tailor a schedule that fits everybody's needs. So please contact me, Michelle McKinney, at Third Degree Solutions, 919-271-8351. The career services for your athletic department as we aid you and your team to excel at the sport. Hi, this is Eric Smith, also known as the financial literacy coach or the money coach. You know, financial literacy is the one life skill that every single one of your students is going to need in life. Without financial literacy, their life will be much more difficult, but with it, it's going to be much better. And there's no one better to increase financial literacy than the financial literacy coach. We can be reached at area code 770-527-4380 by email at eric at thefinancialliteracycoach.com. One more time, by phone, that's area code 770-527-4380. And by email, eric at thefinancialliteracycoach.com. I wish you the best. Hi, are you frustrated at work? Do you want to know how to position yourself for promotion? Then Queen's Moves is the workshop for you. Why? Because as women, we need to know our value, be confident in our options, and seize opportunities when they come along, just like a well-played queen in the game of chess. My name is Michelle Larkin of Yumi Connections, 
and I have developed this online workshop to teach you how to think strategically, develop a personal strategy, build confidence, and create professional momentum. I encourage you to visit queensmoves.net for more details and more information about signing up and registering. This course will equip and inspire you to move like the queen that you are. Classes start November 1st. Royal Court for Us, established in 2017, is a jewelry and apparel company. Our bracelets and clothing designs use vibrant colors and come with their own purpose and meaning. Our company focused on empowering, inspiring, unifying, and reminding each other that we come from royalty, that we are strong and powerful, and it's imperative that we support each other. So check us out on Instagram at Royal Court for Us or our website at www.royalcourtforus.com. Why do colleges support student-athletes pursuing every profession except professional sports? Why are they treated as the students when they're athletes, knowing that they need help surviving the lights? I'm Tawana Smith, and as a former Division I and pro athlete and now best-selling author, I've created a transition system specifically for student-athletes called Surviving the Lights. For more information, visit www.survivingthelights.com to learn how we can change the game together. Let's face it, the AD position is an executive position, a member of the president's administrative team, the cabinet. The department deserves the same level of leadership, knowledge, talent, experience, and professionalism as any top official on campus. Presidents are looking for AD leadership who know how to build a success culture. Recognizing this changing landscape in athletics, join me at successcultureconsultantcoach.com for info on my next course, on building a success culture. Welcome back uh, to uh, Chat and Garden. I'm your host, Monique A.J. Smith, here in the Chat and Garden with Sniffing Blooms in Athletics and Sports Business on Survival Radio Network. Well, Corey, let's jump right yeah. into it. Tell me about your journey from college to now. Absolutely. First, before I give you that, though, Monique, just want to congratulate you on six years of providing this amazing platform for women and for women that are killing it in athletics administration and athletics. Um, we can't see it. If we don't see it, we can't be it. And I just appreciate you creating spaces for stories to be heard and for people to be impacted and empowered so appreciate that and wanted to make sure I, I mentioned that at the start before we talked anything about me um I just think that's so important and I appreciate the work that you're doing for me and my journey I think it would be most beneficial to not necessarily go step by step but th- but to talk through some experience that helped shape how I proceeded on the journey Mm-hmm. Um, also being aware of, of time and knowing that we want to get the questions, I want to make sure all those get answered. So I will, I'll start in college, undergrad at the University of Georgia. While I was there, knew I wanted to work in sports, so I worked in the athletic department for four years as a promotions and marketing intern, and that's what I thought I wanted to do. And I don't know what happened, but there was one day in the first semester of my senior year, 
where I was working at a basketball game, passing out T-shirts, and I just had it hit me like, this is not it. I am. <laughs> I don't know that this is what I want to do. I don't really get fulfillment from the different projects and things that I'm doing. I think it's interesting, but there's there's nothing fulfilling me about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I realized in that moment that I was getting more fulfillment out of the work I was doing with Upward Bound and the service I was doing in the Athens community than I was working in sport in marketing. Mm-hmm. So that happened and I'm glad it happened while I was in college because it gave me approximately six months to figure out what I wanted to do now that I realized this um, epiphany and that set me on a path of trying to figure out how to pursue a career that combines sport and service. Mm-hmm. And I knew it needed to be hands-on service and some sort of work with youth because that's what I knew lit my fire. That's what I was excited to do. And that's what started me on this journey. And that took me to the University of Central Florida for graduate school. And that story is a story in and of itself of you're someone that's a rising star or recently out of your career and you're trying to figure out how to – navigate last-minute decisions and career switches and and trying to work through those pieces, feel free to reach out to me. We can talk about that offline because that would take up way too much time. But but I ended up at University of Central Florida. And at UCF, it was fantastic because through UCF, I actually learned about the work that I do now. So I went Mm -hmm. into UCF thinking I want to do community relations for a professional team, that's the obvious connection of serving people and sports. And um, that's, what I, that's what my mind was set on. That's what my heart was set on. You can ask any of my directors in my graduate program at the University of Central Florida, and they will tell you the same thing. That's what I was doing. And you couldn't tell me otherwise because my mind was set and made. Mm-hmm. And then through guest speakers and exposure, which is one of the things I think is critically important, through exposure we had a guest speaker come talk to our class, Marcus Sedberry who now is my boss and one of my dear friends, but he came and spoke about the work that he was doing in UCF's athletic department and student services. And because I wasn't an athlete in undergrad and my only experience was football recruiting and marketing at UGA, I didn't know that existed. I didn't even know what that was. And mm-hmm. hearing him speak, I was, I was third on the inside and wanted to know more. So I took some initiative. Went and met with him. He said, I really don't have anything for you, but if you want to learn, feel free to come job shadow. And I job shadowed for the second semester of my graduate school um, first year. And and it was great. I, was like, I remember having conversations with my parents. Like, I think I might have found what I want to do. And they're like, you're switching again? And I said, well, maybe. I don't know. But <laughs> we'll see. It's the same general stuff. It's just different, slightly different direction. And long story short, became his graduate assistant my second year of grad school. And through that experience, learned that this is the work I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then I graduate, and there are no jobs. And I then question myself, like, is what you want to do? Are you sure about this? Um, mm-hmm. And that was in, what was that, 2012. So now we're seeing more student-athlete development jobs. We're seeing more of an emphasis put on it. Mm-hmm. 
then there just weren't there just weren't jobs. There were a lot of hybrid roles, but I didn't have any experience with academic advising. So I would make it to the final rounds of interviews and and then not get selected for a variety of different reasons, I'm sure. But I think one of them was the fact that I didn't have that experience. Mm-hmm. And it was a couple of months, and I'm job searching. Like, Corey, are you sure this is what you're supposed to be doing? Are you mm-hmm. sure this this is it? And and it was hard. It was really really hard. Um, and I'll share that with anybody that's interested in student athlete development. Period, because it's such a competitive field. It's hard to mm-hmm. get the job. And Marcus called me a couple months after I graduated, and said that they had created another position at UCF and asked me if I was interested in it. And that was awesome for me because, one, it was proof to me that I did a good job and I left a positive impact while I was at UCF because that's what I wanted to do. But then, two, it was, to me, a a God-ordained thing, like, okay, here's your door. Mm -hmm. I'm opening for you. Um, Let's take advantage of it. And to my fellow friends that might be in post-grad interns, that's truly what it was. We didn't have the language for it back then. But that's what it was. It was getting paid like a post-grad intern, but I was working full-time hours and also working with the magic as a way to supplement income so that I could make it work. And I got questioned on that. My parents were like, are you sure you're going to take the job that pays you peanuts? Is was mm-hmm. my mom's literal terminology. You sure you want to take that? And I'm like, yeah. I. This is what I truly believe I'm supposed to do. So, yes, I'm willing to make the, the short-term sacrifice because I know it's going to put me on the path to the direction I want to go in. And um, it's beautiful to see how that leap of faith paid off. So I got hired full-time. A month after I got hired, my supervisor, Marcus, left for a new job. So then I'm interim director for a semester. Hmm. And and that was, again, another story for another day, because there's a lot that went into that too. But, but interim director at 23 of a program serving a little under 500 student-athletes and I'm glad that I was a GA first, so I had a general lay of the land, but that was that was mm-hmm. daunting. But it also proved to me that I could do it. And um, I think that that was the greatest lesson that I learned from that experience. Fast forward to that following summer, I'm at professional development conference, because I love professional development, and a friend asked me about my interest in a job at Kansas State. And I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, and I was living in Orlando, Florida, and families on the East Coast. So the idea of Kansas just doesn't make sense in my brain. But <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I entertained what they had to say, and I talked to some of my mentors, and they told me to look into it and see what they're talking about. And I'm so glad I did because, as people may know, I ended up at Kansas State. <laughs> I interviewed and applied and really loved the opportunity to go and build something for mm-hmm. myself. I wanted the challenge to see if I was truly ready, if I could actually do it. And what, what's interesting is um, I went into it and I learned after I got hired that there was someone that they had in mind for the position. And um, I, I blew them away with what I told them I wanted to do and how I would do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lesson to all of us, honestly, as we're applying for jobs and as we're considering next steps to be able to sell yourself, to be able to communicate in a clear and concise manner what it is you're planning to do and how you'll do it, um, and to allow people to see your heart and your passion behind what you're doing. Because I went in there and I changed their minds. 
Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm so glad that I did because Kansas State, for those three and a half years, was a phenomenal opportunity for me. I heard you, Monique, talking about some of your journey and and being the first and sometimes being the only. And <clears throat> there were some of those experiences for me at Kansas State as well. And there's just so much growth that happens through that. Mm-hmm. But then it's also a wonderful platform for you to show other people that look like you, whether they be women, whether they be women of color, whether they be people of color, that they too can have success in mm-hmm. leadership positions and um, they too can pursue their dreams. So Kansas State was fantastic. I had a great time there. I did a lot of professional development. That's when I got more involved in NCAA work and I got more involved with M4A and more involved with NASA then now women leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where I, I was truly invested in myself, trying to make sure I could learn as much as I can so I could pour that back into the work I was doing and the students I was serving. And um, and I was chilling, to be completely honest. I felt good. <laughs> yes, I was in the middle of nowhere for me because I'm from a big city, so it just felt small. But I was in a really good place, great people, great support. And then I got an email about an opportunity at Women Leaders, <clears throat> and I completely ignored it. I was like, okay, let me pass this on to other people that are looking for jobs. It's a great opportunity. Then I got another message about it and another message about it and another message about it. And then I paused like, okay, Lord, are you telling me I need to look at this? And, um, again, talked to mentors and and considered some of the goals I had for myself and some of my desires as it related to my career. And it's interesting because a lot of people told me and challenged me on my women leaders steps saying that it was a lateral move, saying they didn't understand it, questioning if I was right for moving off of campus. And mm-hmm. for me, I have always been interested in two different paths within athletics, one directly serving students on a campus, but the other serving students in a more uh, broad and nationally impactful way. Mm-hmm. And some would call that a consultant or whatever. I, I didn't have language for it back then, but I just knew I could see myself in two different spaces. Mm-hmm. So I went to Women Leaders to help me determine if that other place or space could be a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I also went because I wanted to be professionally developed, and I believe that Patty's leadership could help that happen for me. And it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. It was actually shorter. My time there was shorter than I thought it would be, um, but it was absolutely fantastic. The growth I experienced in that year and a half, the exposure I had in that year and a half, the people I got to meet and build relationships with, my whole world and my um, perspectives were just expanded in ways I can't, can't truly put into words because up until that point, my life was only student athlete development. That's mm-hmm. all I really knew, and that's all I was focused on because of the roles I had. Through women leaders, I was forced to open my mind to the entirety of the athletics department. Mm-hmm. I was forced to think about how to provide programming for women that work across all the different areas in the athletic department and how we can help them be developed, equipped, connected to the right people so that they're able to advance in their careers and And you're talking about everybody from rising stars to women vying for athletic director and commissioner seats. So, Mm -hmm. so that was just, that was just amazing for me. And 
and it was fantastic. And same thing, I was in a good spot. I was head down trying to make sure I put on good programming and served the women and just made a positive impact on the people we were serving and was so fulfilled by the work we were doing. And then I get another call. And this time it's my former boss, Marcus, who's now at Baylor. And he's like, hey, Corey, know you're at Women Leaders. I know that you're loyal. I know you probably don't want to entertain my call right now, but I want to let you know that we just had some transition happen and we have a vacancy and it's because I know you, I know it's a position that you would want because it's something you've talked to me about wanting to have. Mm. And, um, and I talked to Patty and I talked to some of my other mentors and I'm, I was very, very torn about what to do because he was right. The position that, he had was my dream position. It was overseeing student athlete development, having a team of people that could help you, being somewhere where you have resources that can support you and somewhere where the athletic director is bought in. That's exactly mm-hmm. what I would what I would want. And um and I appreciate my, my mentors for giving me sound advice and long story short a decided to have conversations, ended up at Baylor. And at Baylor, I oversee our student-athlete development programming. We call it character formation here. Mm. And um, it's been a truly special place to work. It's been fun for me to be back with student-athletes and be able to be a part of their daily developmental process. And it's also been cool, too, because while I'm at Baylor, I'm still connected with women leaders and some of the NCAA programming, so I still get the benefit of having the expanded impact that I desire because I truly do want to help people. Mm-hmm. But then I also get the daily cup fills of being with our student athletes and helping them on their journeys on an everyday basis. So I'm truly blessed to be where I am. I never, if you would have asked me, Monique, in 2010 when I graduated from Georgia, what I thought I would be doing 10 years later, I could not have imagined that this would be it, one, because I didn't even know this existed. Mm -hmm. But then, two, I couldn't have imagined the journey that I would have had to get here. And I just feel so blessed for everybody that's been part of my journey um, and for the experiences I've been able to have throughout my journey. So, that was a shortcut version because I'm also long-winded too, but um, <laughs> but happy to discuss any of the pieces of that as we channel questions from both you and the folks that are listening. Well, I'm going to try to shoot them to you fast. Um, <laughs> okay, Corinth uh, uh, Patterson from the MAC, mm-hmm. she and I, I already know one of the answers. She said, uh, who, helped, who helped champion and shape your career? I'm either going to say Marcus. Yeah, he, he is one. He was my early on champion for sure. Um, in addition to him, I, I have a, a lot of them. I'll, I'll name some, and I apologize if I miss others. At Kansas State, I had three, champ, three specific champions. Our athletic director at the time, John Curry, who's now the athletic director, <clears throat> excuse me, at Wake Forest, huge champion of mine. Jill Shield was the woman that hired me at Kansas State and has since been a huge champion. She's actually one of the people that um, talked to Patty on my behalf of Women Leaders. Um, one of my early on mentors, the AD at Rollins College, <clears throat> excuse me, I met her when I was a graduate student at UCF. She's been a huge champion of mine as well. 
Um, Patty Phillips, obviously, after my work at Women Leaders, has been a huge champion. But then in addition to that, you have Dee Dee Merritt at the NCAA, Curtis Holloman before Dee Dee and her role at the NCAA. Both of them are huge champions of mine. Mm. Um, and there are others that are champions of mine that I probably don't even know about, to be completely honest with you, Monique, mm-hmm. that have spoken on my, my behalf or have shared kind words as a result of interactions or experiences they've had with me. And then I've also had students that have been champions, and sometimes we, we overlook the impact that they can have as well, but I think about some of our student athletes here that have shared with their sport program administrators or their coaches the impact that our office has had or the appreciation that they have. And as a result of that, that's helped with buy-in and me being able to do some things here. So loosely speaking, I have had a great combination of men and women champions, um, ethnic minority champions, white and people from majority champions. I've had a, a good mix of folks that me get to where I am. And for that, I'm truly grateful. Okay, so here is Lizette Goodlow, co-founder of Behind the Whistle, uh, that has a con- mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, she's out of Texas, matter of fact. So yes. I just wanted to lay the foundation for her question, where uh, the Behind the Whistle looks at the secondary coaches and helping them um, uh, coach and, and lead the holistically for the student athlete. Very similar to mm-hmm. what we we do on a college campus. Her question is, how are you helping build bridges with secondary institutions who are sending students to your school, and are there any programs that are available for secondary counselors or teachers of potential student-athletes? That's a fantastic question, and it's an area, candidly, that I think we can be better in. At Baylor, we don't have structured programming that specifically connects us with secondary teachers, coaches, et cetera. And I actually have not seen that anywhere I've worked yet. We have utilized um, members from the secondary population in some of our career development programming um, more as a resource to our student-athletes to assist them with navigating careers, but not as a way for them to receive development on how to serve their student-athletes at the high school level. So that, that's something that I think is worth exploring. And um, and Lizette and I have actually been in conversations because some of her student athletes have come to Baylor. Mm. So she's connected me with some people or with some of her former students, and, and we've had some conversations around that. One of the things I, I will say, though, is N4A, our national organization, has done a good job, and I know this doesn't help everybody because we can't control where our convention happens, but during the convention every year, M4A has community service projects and events that we do. Mm-hmm. And for the last three years, at least, because I remember being there for the last three, but for the last three years, we've done a, a college readiness program for students, students who happen to be student athletes in high school, middle school, high school, their parents, and then other support staff. Mm-hmm. And that's been our way of helping to educate and build the bridges we want to use that terminology with that group so they have an understanding of the transition and of what to expect and all of that. So nationally, I think we're taking strides in that area because we recognize that it's important to build that bridge. Mm -hmm. I think people in my role should um, look at opportunities and consider opportunities 
to Lizette's question about what that could look like institution specific and what we're able to do from, <clears throat> excuse me, from a, a bandwidth standpoint and resources standpoint, um, because that's the other thing that we have to consider, consider when we're thinking about programming. We're blessed at Baylor to have a team of people, but at Kansas State it was just me. Mm-hmm. So even if I had the desire to find programming and resources and pull together our, our counselors and things in the Manhattan, Kansas area, the time, I, it would have been difficult for me to figure out how to do that. So I think there are a couple of hurdles we would have to address, but building bridges and and helping our students is, is critical and it's key because we are in the business of doing that. And mm-hmm. if we're saying that our focus is on our student athletes, it would be helpful to equip people early on with the tools that they need to help the students navigate so that we just get the opportunity to continue that when they get to us instead mm-hmm. of trying to start some of those development pieces. I think it's important. And I think that could be space, not trying to give people business ideas, but if if mm-hmm. that's a place of passion for you, that could be a space or opportunity for you to help create mm-hmm. those bridges and bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I said, there could be people in my positions that are interested in doing it but don't have the manpower or bandwidth to make it happen. And uh, I'm really proud of Lizette creating such a platform and asking that yep. question and planting that seed. That's the key. Absolutely. So I'm going to combine two questions. Chelsea mm-hmm. Hooks, Assistant Director of Academics and Membership Affairs at NCAA, and Haley Major, a football academic support person for Penn State. Both of their questions are dealing with uh, the younger uh, uh, individuals seeking positions. So Mm -hmm. um, the question is, uh, what advice would you give individuals that are younger in the athletic space who want to leave a positive mark on their involvement? And I'm going to add, uh, how about the younger individuals looking to pursue their first-time job during a time of this pandemic? Ooh, good questions. Good questions. I uh, I think now is a challenge. I'll start with the second half of that question, Monique. I think now is a challenging time mm-hmm. because we're just in a, a space of uncertainty. We have campuses that are trying their best to get back operational and to figure out what their new normal is. And there will be campuses that have positions, but there also may be restrictions or things that prevent processes from moving as quickly as you would want them to, Mm -hmm. that prevent jobs from being posted as quickly as we would want to see them posted and all of those things. So my first, my first thought as I hear that question, because I have an intern right now that's job searching, and we've been having these conversations a lot recently, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's understanding the time that we're in and giving yourself and others grace, mm-hmm. which is very difficult because you need to pay bills, you need a roof over your head, you need food on your table, and it's hard when you're looking at jobs and looking for things and you don't see things posting, and that can be very discouraging. Mm-hmm. And I want to let you all know if you're a job searching right now that it is not your fault or anyone else's that jobs aren't out there and that 
the right opportunity will be made available for you. What is for you is for you. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I had to continue to remind myself when I was job searching and getting a whole lot of unanswered and no's. What is for me is for me. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard to internalize when you're in, in it and experiencing the no's and not seeing things posted. But through lived experience, I, I know that to be true. So that's the first thing I want to say. But then the second thing I want to say is, regarding the pandemic piece, and then I'll get to what you can do to leave a positive mark. The second piece of that is because there aren't many jobs being posted and there may be people that for whatever reason are looking for jobs, whether that's someone that recently graduated from grad school or you just finished a post-grad internship or I'm trying to get closer to home or to family because given everything that's going on, I don't like being this far away, so Mm -hmm. I need to move closer. The competition for jobs right now is is increased. Mm-hmm. So when we're when we're talking with our rising stars that are now having to compete with people that have been working in the job for three or four years and maybe looking at lateral moves for whatever their personal decisions are, that makes things a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. And that means that when we're interviewing and when you're interviewing as a rising star you have to do a really, really good job of selling yourself, mm-hmm. framing your experiences, and helping the people on the other end of that call or that Zoom video clearly understand what you bring to the table and how you are the best person for the position. Mm-hmm. And even if they ask you or they challenge you with, well, I see you did this post-grad experience for a year, and um, – and you got some experiences from that, but then how how or why do you think that you are the best person and compared to somebody that's done it for three? You mm-hmm. have to be able to frame your experiences in a way that shows them that you can do the work and then be sure that you're showing your personality and you're communicating and exhibiting your passion so that they can get a sense of who you would be as part of their team. And it's a little bit more difficult because you may be in situations where you're limited to only virtual interactions and you mm-hmm. might not get the luxury of doing your on-campus, if you will, interviews because of some of the restrictions we have. So there are some additional things that you're having to navigate if you're job searching during this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's important and that's something I want you to, to think about and understand In addition to that, though, once you're in that role and you're wanting to leave a good mark and and make a positive impact on the the space that you're working or the group that you're working in, a couple things I think are important that I was reflecting on recently as I was having a conversation with one of my interns who's job searching. The first one is do really good work. Be a expert in what you're doing, do quality work because your work, and I'm pretty sure this is in the Bible actually, so not to get preachy, but your work will make room for you. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. the work that you're doing and your, your ability to do work at a really high level creates additional opportunities for you. And then in that same vein, I think it's important to take and show initiative and not wait until someone tells you to do something yeah. or asks you to do something or provides a, a task or a job to you to do something. Mm-hmm. Showing initiative is something that separates good from great yeah. and 
I, hearing people, hearing from people that hire people, hearing from my supervisors and people on our executive leadership team, and now being a being in a position where I'm hiring people and I'm leading people, mm-hmm. doing really good work and taking initiative are things that are greatly appreciated and things that make people want to keep you on their team. Exactly. So those are two things I would say fundamentally are important. In addition to that, though, be an effective and good communicator and understand how to communicate with diverse groups of people, so communicating across with your peers, communicating Mm -hmm. up to supervisors. People say communicate down, but, like, communicating to your student-athletes or if you're in a position where you're supervising people, the people that you supervise, those things are important. On the communicating to your peers point, managing up is also important, and I think that that's something that can help you make a positive mark for Rising Stars. If you're able to see how your supervisor wants to be communicated to, the way they want to receive information, some of the challenges that they're facing, and you're able to provide solutions, that that creates opportunities for you as well because then in, in your supervisor's mind, they're saying, okay, I can go to Monique because I know that she will help provide solutions or I know that she'll be able to take initiative and make sure this moves forward or I know she does really, really good work so I can trust her with this project. That, I think, is extremely important. And then the last thing that I would say about making a positive impact is be positive and have good energy. People want to be around people that they enjoy working with, Mm -hmm. and a large part of that is the energy that you show up with every day. And this is something that we've talked a lot about during my time at Women Leaders is, and we're talking about it right now because our our team here is reading the energy bus, but Mm. energy energy is huge. And your ability to be the CEO of your energy impacts the energy of others. And the feeling you get when you're around someone with negative energy and the way that that can bring people down or bring a room down and all of that, should be a clear indication as to why it's important to have the positive energy and it's important to be the person that is bringing that good energy on a daily basis. Hmm. I think those things are critically important and those things help you make a positive mark, period, but specifically for our rising stars, those things can help you make a positive mark in your career. And the last thing I'll share is something that was shared with me by Um, John Curry, when I was at Kansas State during my first semester there, and I wrote it down on a sticky note, and it's literally, that sticky note hasn't gone with me because I just remembered the the quote, but I keep it visible as a reminder to me. And he told me to bring the answers to evaluate and not the questions to answer. So when you're thinking about meetings that you'll have with supervisors or if you're in, in situations where you're trying to figure things out. There are times where questions need to be asked, absolutely not negating that. But there are also times where you can be a solutions provider and then you can allow those solutions that you provide to then be filtered through or sorted out in the conversation instead of trying to come up with the solutions in the conversation. So the idea of bringing the questions or bringing the answers to evaluate instead of the questions to answer would be the last thing that I would say for Rising Stars as you think about how you can make your positive mark. Well, Corey, we are out of time. And (laughs) this was phenomenal. And I appreciate you giving so much to, as you call them, Rising Star. 
And as they're rising, you are uh, a planet, okay? So I appreciate you so much. And I want to thank our engineer, uh, Ms. Lockett, for giving me my countdown. And join us next Wednesday at 10 o'clock for a chat in the garden where significance blooms in athletics and sports business and have a significant rest of the day.